listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. Love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. Along with me is Zach Barletta, and we're glad you're listening in as well. BTGprogram.com or at BTG Program Sports Talk from a faith-based point of view. And with all due respect to my Buffalo Bills-loving colleague on the other side of the studio from me, the best story coming out of last week's round of NFL football games was the debut of one Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones of the New York Football Giants. By the way, the updated favorite to win the league's Rookie of the Year award, at least according to the experts in Las Vegas. Now, I would definitely say people might need to slow down with the Rookie of the Year stuff, but what a stunning way to start your career. I can't even argue with you. That was a fantastic game. I was watching it. Uh, well, first I was watching it on Red Zone, and then I was like, I got to go watch this game. And I watched the end, and, and I got to say, you mentioned me being a Bills fan, and he reminded me a lot of Josh Allen, the way yeah. that he scrambled around, yep. ran for two touchdowns, uh, was clearly uh, comfortable moving around the pocket, and uh, he looked really, really good. And I don't I think it's safe to say none of us really saw this when he came out of college. In that game, we saw evidence of why I was okay with the Giants making the switch from Eli. I wasn't okay when it was for Geno Smith. I was okay here. Now, I'm not buying that Eli was as bad as some people make it out, make him out to have been. Granted, he certainly is not in his prime. I get all that. But there are a number of teams, in my opinion, who are starting worse quarterbacks than Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. The poor offensive line play, the fact that... The Giants are often behind, and Eli has to throw it down the field in desperation time. The lack of offensive weapons, all things that contribute to Eli uh, appearing to be worse than he actually was. Mm -hmm. But that said, Daniel Jones can run. He can scramble, as you said. He reminds you of Josh Allen of the Bills, and we talked about it last week prior to his debut. It was clear that he could avoid a pass rush and pressure that, Eli can't anymore, so I, I, I'm okay with the change. I don't think it was as much to do with Eli as the state of the Giants. Daniel Jones is a better fit at this time, but despite the terrific game that he had against the Buccaneers, the sample size is obviously rather small. Yeah. I don't think anyone will point to his college career as evidence that what we saw Sunday is a real Daniel Jones. Obviously, he didn't have that kind of career in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's plenty of upside. There's plenty of reasons to be excited for Giants fans, to be encouraged. But rookie of the year, the next Tom Brady, maybe hold on just yeah, just maybe, a little bit maybe there. Maybe let him play two or three games first, right? Yeah, but that best quarterback in New York <laughs> City, we might be able to have that discussion. Best quarterback in New York City, I, you know. I'll give you best quarterback in New Jersey. I think we've had this conversation already. We had it through text. Yeah. And I know it gets under your skin when somebody refers to the Giants or the Jets as New York, but 
they are the New York City metropolitan area. You Buffalo Bills fans, you seem to be having a lot of fun with those claims about being the only team in New York. And that might be New York State. But y'all know there's a city called New York, right? And and yeah. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say well, they play in New Jersey. But it, it's the New York metro area. New, New Jersey has three areas. They got beaches. They've got the New York City metro area. And then they've got a dump, just one big dump. I mean, I get it because I've been in New Jersey. I've gone to Yankees games in New York where we spent the night at a hotel in New Jersey because it was cheaper. And look, if I was from New Jersey, I would want to try to find a way to claim I was from New York City also. I get it. I'm just pointing out technically Josh Allen is the best quarterback in New York because he's also the only quarterback in New York. In New York State. Correct. Okay. Well, we're talking about the New York City metro area. And that's see now you're a perfect example. You stayed in a hotel when you went to vi- in New Jersey when you went to visit New York City. Mm-hmm. So you were basically still in the metro area. Yeah. Could you see the ocean? Then you were in the metro area yeah. or in the dump, one of the two. Yeah, well, I, I think all of New Jersey is the dump, but I could see <laughs> New York City from where we were. I loved, by the way, watching Josh Allen on Sunday as well. I thought he did uh, – man, we saw a couple of times, though, where he reverted back to his rookie yeah. ways, and you kind of got a little worried about it. And I thought about you, who said if he could avoid doing that, the Bills will make the playoffs. Well, he didn't avoid it, but he, he played well enough and overcame that, which was what exciting to watch. And, and as you've already pointed out, Daniel Jones in many ways very similar to mm-hmm. Allen – and I wanted the Giants to draft Allen a year ago. I thought that was the time to get a quarterback, and Josh Allen was the guy I wanted. Of course, the Giants didn't do that, and if he's not with my Giants, I'm thrilled he's in Buffalo. And, of course, we all remember the draft, right? We remember when Daniel Jones was taken by the Giants. We saw the camera showing Dwayne Haskins, eventually taken <laughs> by the Redskins out of Ohio State, that was shaking his head in disbelief. Incidentally, guess who comes to town to play this weekend? Mm -hmm. Dwayne Haskins and the Washington Redskins. Should be another good game for Danny Dimes. Well, yeah, it should be. But I I think Haskins has the potential to be a a real good quarterback, too. And I'm a little bit concerned about every time they play the Giants, him trying to stick it to them. But uh, from all what we hear, he's going to be on the bench watching Daniel Jones, who was taken before him, which he couldn't believe. I think the whole scenario, I just find humorous a little bit. Yeah. Well, and also, there's the added drama of, you remember, before the season, Baker Mayfield talking crap about Daniel Jones. Yeah. And how that was a dumb pick, and you can't draft a quarterback like that, and blah, blah, blah. And Daniel Jones looks better than Baker Mayfield this season. <laughs> so, I mean, it's still very early, but... One of the things I enjoyed last week was not only the way Eli has handled the benching, but the way he supported Jones, the way he was on the sidelines cheering him on. Eli's been nothing but class through this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He held the starting quarterback job for 16 years. You know, that's a long time, but there he was, fist-bumping the guy that took his place, and later when they won the game, embracing him after that terrific run, coming back from an 18-point deficit, just to watch Eli encourage this guy Mm -hmm. was really cool to see. We've seen other guys not accept the benching as well, or maybe they've accepted it, but clearly they weren't happy, and I don't suspect that Eli's happy about it. Mm -hmm. But he's handled it with a lot more class. There's no little 
innuendos or, or little subtle jabs or anything yeah. like that. And uh, he isn't demanding a trade by any stretch, refusing to work with Jones, which we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to work with the guy who's competing for my job. We've heard quarterbacks say that. We're doing the bare minimum that's required of him. Mm-hmm. The guy's been fully supportive of, of Daniel Jones. Being around youth sports as much as I am, he's an example for players who pout when they have a, a, a turn on the bench. And even for some parents who cause headaches for the coach because their kid isn't the starter mm-hmm. or their kid isn't getting the amount of time they feel he should be getting. Sometimes a poor effort results in a little time on the bench. Maybe it's temporary. Maybe it's longer. Sometimes it's an injury which forces a player to be a spectator. For some, it's age. Their body begins to betray them, and ultimately they end up in retirement. But probably the most painful way to be put on the bench for anyone is to be told that you're simply not as good as the other guy. And sometimes that's just the reality. You're not as good as the other guy. And I'm sure when told to a potential future Hall of Famer like Manning, it had to be put rather delicately. Listen, the skill set that Daniel Jones has is better suited right now. He's in a better position to help this team win than you are. That's got to be tough to take. And then to go out and handle it with the kind of class that he has, I tell you, I think it's terrific. How does a Christian athlete stay faithful to God sitting the bench? You know, sitting there, you don't want to sit the bench. You want to play. That's what you're there for. How does a Christian handle their pride being hurt? Just like anyone else would feel, man, I'm not as good, they're telling me. I'm sitting the bench and not let it compromise their integrity and testimony for Christ. First off, we got to acknowledge it's okay to be frustrated. It's not sinful to be frustrated. Look, man, you expected to play. That's what you're there for. To be put on the bench is disappointing. It hurts, and it's frustrating. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. There's no sin in feeling emotional. There's no sin in being upset about it. It's what you do with it. But even deep in emotion. Uh, We still need to honor God, regardless of the circumstance. You can't hide how you feel. God knows anyway, but you still got to honor him. If you've been benched, man, talk to your coach about it. Ask him or her why. Why why am I here? Ask them where you're deficient, how you can get better. It's okay to ask those questions. Hey, coach. You know, look, I obviously I'm not happy sitting here. What do I need to work on? Uh, Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying get in the face of the coach. You know, uh, we've seen that, too, in athletes. Just ask them. Proverbs 10, 17 says he is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who ignores it, reproof goes astray. Believers in Christ can ask God questions, too. He knows our hearts, as I say. He already knows what we're feeling. He knows what, what we're thinking, and we can ask God to show us how to improve our walks of faith. Lord, what do I need to do? Help me to see how I can grow closer to you. We can ask him for additional opportunities to sharpen our spiritual disciplines. It's a good thing, I think, for believers to identify our weak areas that need improvement. But when we get an answer from God, just like when we hear from a coach, we need to heed that advice, as we read there in Proverbs ten seventeen, Heeding instruction glorifies God. 
When sitting the bench, a good teammate remains an encourager, just like we're seeing in Eli Manning. That means they're not murmuring, they're not complaining, they're not gossiping, they're not talking behind the coach's back or behind the back of the teammate who maybe is starting in front of you. Many times, because a player is hurt and frustrated to be sitting on the bench, they respond by complaining to their parents, complaining to a friend, complaining to somewhere else, or angry. They're angry, they want to unload it. I get all that, but that's how we allow our, our, our anger or our disappointment to become sinful. Christian athletes are called to stand out from the crowd, to be different. So when temptation comes along that we want to unload our frustration, take a deep breath and remember what the Bible says. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word as it is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. As Christians, we should talk differently. It should be encouraging words. Of course, there's many other things the Christian athlete can do to turn a bad situation, such as being benched into an opportunity to glorify God. But for the sake of time, let me just share this one more thing. And that's never give up. Never give up. When getting another chance, make sure you give a great effort. You maintain a good attitude. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Remember, it's Jesus Christ whom the Christian serves. Yeah, you may be serving others, your teammates, your coach, I get all that, but ultimately it's Jesus who we desire to please, who we desire to honor, who we desire to glorify. When you work hard, you do those things. You do honor him and glorify him. As an, as an athlete, there's always a possibility that you're not as good as a player in front of you. That's just the way it is. There are, there's always seemingly somebody better than you. As is possible with Manning, it may be possible that you'll never get the chance. Maybe you won't get back on the field. And if that be the case, our prayer really ought to be that it be solely because of our level of skill and has nothing to do with our work ethic or our attitude. Stick with us. We're just getting started. Coming up after the break, Zach will have a few shenanigans statements for us. Later on, you like that. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. The Power Up Sports Ministry Conference is October 8th in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the offices of Our Daily Bread Ministries. You'll hear from Clark Kellogg of CBS Sports, Carolina Hurricanes Chaplain Sid Graham and his wife Kristen, and from Mike Moore, Chaplain with the Houston Dynamo. It's the Power Up Sports Ministry Conference October 8th. Register at powerupsportsministry2019.eventbrite.com. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Time now to look back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. This is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through Thursday, September 26th. The Red Hawks recap is being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. 
At the Harry F. Anderson Invitational last weekend, the Roberts Wesleyan women's cross-country team took the top three individual finishes on its way to a first-place team victory. ECC preseason runner of the year, Ashley Watson, led the charge for the Red Hawks going wire to wire as was and, and was followed by teammates Brittany Shumway and Michaela Bierley. The men were victorious as well with three of the top four individual finishes. Christopher Sims finished first overall while teammates Shane Pease and Josiah Adelini came in third and fourth respectively. Dylan Ruiz recorded two goals last Saturday against the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown as the Red Hawks rolled to its second straight 4-0 shutout victory. Earlier in the day, the women dropped a match with St. Michael's College 1-0. Their record now sits at 4-2 overall on the season. On Wednesday, the men took on St. Michael's on the road. Senior Terrell Spencer's third goal of the season wasn't enough to get the upset as they fell 5-1. In other action, the women's volleyball team fell to 0-12 after dropping all three matches last weekend, and the women's tennis team defeated Dominican College 4-3 to even their record at 3-3. Looking ahead at the calendar, your next chance to catch Roberts Wesleyan Red Hawks in action at home comes tomorrow, September 28th, when both the men's and women's soccer teams will host St. Thomas Aquinas College. Start time for the women is 1 p.m., while for the men it's 3.30. Coming up next weekend, Queens College will come to town. They'll take on the women's volleyball team at the Voller Athletic Center on Friday, October 4th at 7. Then on Saturday, October 5th, it's another soccer doubleheader as the women's team hosts Queens College at 1, followed by the men's teams matching up at 3.30. Also on Saturday, the women's volleyball team will host Mercy College at noon. Go support the Red Hawks, the only Division II college athletics program in Rochester. You can stay up to date with all the Roberts Wrestling Athletics action at their website, robertsredhawks.com. There you'll find news, scores, highlights, and much more. And, of course, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Welcome back into the program. So glad to have you with us here on the Beyond the Game show. Coming to you from Rochester, New York, recording in the very cozy BTG studio. Our show is available to everyone, though, via podcast. You don't have to be here in Rochester. We say hello this week. Guess guess where we heard from this week? Who downloaded the show, Zach? Stockton, California. Now, I know from Stockton, California, born there, was musician Chris Isaac. I have no idea why I know that, but when I saw that in the list of downloads, I go, oh, Chris Isaac's from there. I have no idea why I know that. That's definitely him. Well, maybe it was. Now, I did look up at a number of other. You know who else is there? Brandon Cooks, NFL wide receiver for the L.A. Rams. Former Twins Major League relief pitcher Eddie Guardaro was also born in Stockton, California. Everyday Eddie, that's right. Yeah, well, thank you for listening in Stockton, California. Wherever it is you're listening from, we thank you as well. Here's Zach Barletta to give us this week's shenanigan statements. All right, number one. Being swept in a four-game series by their arch-rival in the heat of a pennant race will result in the Chicago Cubs firing their manager, Joe Madden, and overhauling their roster. Well, it should, shouldn't it? And it probably will. I, that's that's so bad for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. I, of all the teams to lose to and of all the times to lose a yeah. four-game series to the Cardinals at the end of September. Man, that is just terrible. And, yeah, I do think it's going to end up costing uh, Joe Madden his job. 
And I think they'll, I don't know if it'll be a complete overhaul of the roster, but they have some work to do there in Chicago. Definitely. I, I don't know about overhaul of the roster because there's a lot of players there that I felt like they should have already traded that they have refused to. But definitely, I think Joe Madden's gone. I think um, I think it's just time to shake things up. I, I don't know about you. I've never thought that he was some kind of a mad genius. I've always felt like that's sort of been blown out of proportion. And I mean, clearly, whatever he's doing is not working right now. So maybe it's time for a fresh voice. I definitely think he'll be fired. Yeah, I agree. Number two, the Cleveland Browns are 1-2, and two, and their offense has yet to get on track. After calling a fourth down draw play, which has been heavily criticized, <laughs> it is clear that head coach Freddie Kitchens is in over his head and should relinquish his play-calling duties. Look, I didn't see that play, but what did he do? <laughs> like, I, I, I just, in what I've seen of the Browns this year, it looks kind of like like it's too big for Freddie Kitchens. You know, like we were talking off the air, you know, a year ago at this time, he was a quarterback's coach. Yeah. And yeah, he worked well with Baker Mayfield and when they shook things up and promoted him to the offensive coordinator, they played well. Um and I'm sure part of it has to do with them trading Kevin Zeitler, uh who was their best offensive lineman and not really replacing him. Their offensive line has not been good. But Baker hasn't looked good. It looks like, despite adding Odell Beckham Jr., that the whole offense has kind of regressed pretty dramatically. Um, look, calling the plays, him calling the plays is fine. It worked last year, but it just seems like maybe it's too much for him at this point. Yeah, and I thought kind of along the same lines as you, all of a sudden here's this guy who rose so quickly. Why do you want that on your plate as well? you got an awful lot. You've got a lot of egos there to handle. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, and I said this when people were promoting the Browns, I'm like, you know, I just, my hesitation with the Browns has been those egos. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of people to keep happy. What happens? And I think we're going to find that out when they hit a little stretch of, you know, things aren't going their way. Does it start unraveling? Do some of these egos get upset? And my concern with why would he want the play calling Man, that's just one more thing that is going to result in maybe Odell's not happy, maybe Jarvis Landry's not happy, Baker Mayfield isn't happy, and who's going to get the blame? Well, he's the one calling the plays. Yeah. At least if you started with somebody else calling the plays, what wherever the truth is, who cares? You could always be that guy to step in as coach and say, it's probably best if I take over the play calling. Yeah, I just don't know why he – did it from the beginning, so I I say, yeah, he I agree. He's in over his head. He should relinquish play calling duties. I think it's been noteworthy too that you know we talked about all the big personalities there, of which there are certainly many. Odell Beckham Jr. has not been the outspoken one grabbing all the headlines. It's not been yet. Baker Mayfield. Mayfield's been you know he's had stuff to say about Daniel Jones and stuff to say about Rex Ryan, and he's in five thousand commercials every Sunday. And, and that's sort of my thing with the Brown. Why? You are Baker Mayfield. What yeah. have you done that puts you in a spot where you think you should be the one running the flap? Yeah, you know, I just, I man, just wonder if that's on accomplish something a bit, first. You know, yeah. well, I I agree with you. That's a, that's a good point. Last but not least, after Yankees pitcher Domingo Herman let his team down by getting suspended on domestic violence charges, the New York Yankees clearly have pitching concerns heading into the playoffs. Truth or shenanigans with the record-setting offense that Major League Baseball has seen this year. Pitching will be less important this year for the Yankees than ever before. I'm going to agree to a point that, yeah, I think it will be less important because the home runs, man, people, it's just home run or strikeout, so hit those homers. 
But pitching's always important in the postseason. Mm-hmm. But I, I do agree that it's not going to be as important this year because of the amount of offense that we're seeing. Can I call a half shenanigans? Cause I, I That's think, basically what I just did, <laughs> sir, yeah. Is that just called hedging your bets? I uh, I think starting pitching will be a lot less important because it looks like the Yankees, given what they have, are only going to maybe use one or two actual starting pitchers. James Paxton, obviously, maybe Masahiro Tanaka, but you know Luis Severino's only got a few innings under his belt this year after the injury that he's had. So it looks like they're going to use a lot of openers and then primary pitchers where nobody goes more than three or four innings at a time. So I think I would say starting pitching will be not that important for the Yankees because they're going to be trotting guys out of the bullpen every few innings. But I do think the bullpen is going to be tremendously important. So I'm going to say half shenanigans and half agree. <laughs> Way to ride the fence. Zach, we're running out of time, so let's just jump right into the you like that. Proverbs 18.16 says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Back on May 9th, a Tigers fan in Detroit came away with the home run ball that was the 2,000th career RBI for L.A. Angels future Hall of Famer Albert Pujols. Pujols is only the third player in Major League Baseball history to drive in 2,000 or more runs, joining Hank Aaron and Alex Rodriguez. Eli Hyde's who at first said he wanted to keep it and then backpedaled a little and said he would take some time to decide whether to give it to Pujols or whether to give it to the Hall of Fame has finally made his decision. And despite receiving offers, including one for at least $50,000, he hand-delivered it to Cooperstown. He didn't want to be criticized on social media for being selfish and keeping it or for profiting by selling it, so he decided to simply give it away. But what I like, Zach, is that he did it in the memory of his uh, of his late son, Cyrus Arlo Maloney, who oh, was 21 months old when he died in 2018, his son being named after Cy Young. Speaking of his infant daughter, Eli said, I'll wa- I want to show her and tell her the story, just the whole thing, the good things that happened, and the cautionary tale of social media. In appreciation of his donation to Hall of Fame, gifted hides with a lifetime pass, and in memory of his late son, will include on the display that it's an honor of the people of Detroit. Eli Hides donating a historical baseball memento in honor of his late son is what I like, like this that? week. Oh, man, that's like awesome. That? What I like this week uh, was a video that the Buffalo Bills posted about their center, Mitch Morse, and his relationship with his brother, Robbie. Robbie was shaken by his babysitter as an infant and suffered severe damage that left him um, with special needs and in lifetime need of a caretaker. Um, The video highlighted how close Mitch and Robbie are, how Mitch has always worked towards signing his big contract so that he could ensure that he could take care of his little brother for life. And the video showed, you know, how the whole family has rallied around Robbie and how close Mitch is with him. The way that Mitch Morse and his family love and care for his disabled brother Robbie is what I liked like this that. week. Yeah, like that was that. that was a great video. Very, very powerful video. V- Definitely very, go find it loving. if you can. Yeah, I, I agree with Zach. Look that up. Check that thing out. Well, that's it for this week. For us, I Zach, I have no idea how the time got away from us. I promise we'll do better next time. Remember, this radio program is only on the air thanks to the generous support of our listeners. It is your prayers and financial gifts that make the Beyond the Game program possible. So please pray about possibly becoming a supporter of this radio ministry. And if you do feel led to give a financial gift of any amount at all, please visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. 
Be bold and be great this week, everybody.